Um, first, let me say this sermon has been prepared for us by Pastor Richard Swedes, and it's based on the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 through 20, which we heard previously. And we read, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. Something for us to think about is what are we concerned about? As a church, what are we most concerned about? And as a Christian, what are you most concerned about? What we are most concerned about affects our actions, our priorities, and how we relate to each other as Christians and how we relate to others in general. As a church, there are many things that could be important. Good governance, laws, being welcoming and friendly, correct doctrine, that the wider community likes us, that we do not unnecessarily offend people, and basically what we do and how we do it. And one situation where people in a congregation often express what they are most concerned about is when they are seeking people to serve them as ministers. And the question to ask is, are their major concerns the major concerns of God or are they more concerned about other matters? Let us take a look at the following confidential report from one congregation who were given a list of possible names and made a recommendation based on people's concerns. The report begins... Dear members, the following people were nominated for our vacancy and we have assessed each according to your concerns. We include our assessment of each candidate and our recommended candidate below. We start with Adam. He's a good man, but has had a problem with his wife and children. And uh, he and his wife have been known to walk around outside without wearing clothes. Noah... Uh, He's been a pastor for around 120 years with no converts. At times he gets himself involved in unrealistic building projects and without consulting others. Abraham. He's a little old. His references reported that he once offered to share his wife with another man. Joseph. Now he's a big thinker but unfortunately brags a bit believes in dreams and associates a little too much with the upper class. Also, he has a prison record. Moses, now a modest and meek man, but a poor communicator because he stutters. At times, he tends to blow his stack and act rashly and break things. There's also an allegation of murder from his youth. David. The most promising leader of all. He's very musical. His brothers are a little envious of him. He reportedly stops some dangerous person all by himself. However, we have discovered he had an affair with his neighbor's wife. Solomon has a big vision for buildings. He's a great preacher with wisdom, but uh, our parsonage simply cannot house all his wives and children. Also, he had grandiose tastes. Elijah, prone to depression, 
collapses under pressure. Hosea, a tender, loving pastor, but there are still question marks about his wife. Deborah, uh, she's very assertive, maybe a little too much for us. Jeremiah, emotionally unstable, an alarmist, negative, and he's always lamenting things. Isaiah claims to have seen angels, has trouble with his language. Jonah, he doesn't like dealing with difficult people. He refused to listen to God until he got into trouble at sea. Claims to have been swallowed by a huge fish and was spat out three days later. At this stage, we, we hung up on him. Amos, backward and unpolished, would only fit in a poor rural congregation. Nehemiah claims he listens to God and gets involved in rebuilding God's church, but he won't listen to everyone. John says he's a Baptist, but he doesn't dress like one, has slept outdoors for months on end, eats a weird diet, smells a little, doesn't work well with others. We believe there are better jobs for him. Paul, powerful CEO type and fascinating preacher, short on tact, so long-winded he has been known to preach all night, keeps helping other congregations, so may not be too dedicated to us. Jesus, popular at times, but once his church grew to 5,000, he managed to offend them all. He experienced a mass exodus, with his church dwindling to just 12 people. He also seldom stays in one place very long. He keeps wanting to focus on the outsiders and some of the people who we may see as a bit unacceptable. And of course, he's single. Judas. Now, this man has solid references. He meets most of your expectations. He's a steady plotter, concerned a lot about money. He's conservative, well-connected with the community, and other religious leaders, we believe this is the candidate we should consider. Yours sincerely, signed and dated this day, yada yada. I hope you got a little laugh and something to chew on from this. And at the same time, saw that what concerns God can be very different, sometimes very different, to what concerns us. As we walk through the Bible, the revealing thing about God is God calls all sorts of people who have flaws, and if we are truthful, we would not have anything to do with some of the people God has chosen to be his servants. It is important for us to remember, when God calls us to follow him as disciples, that he doesn't say you must first be perfect. Nor does he say you must be holier than anyone else. Rather, he calls people who are ordinary and broken. He calls people who are relying on his grace and guidance to be his disciples. Someone once said that God is calling fat disciples. Not fat as in overweight, but fat as in faithful, available, and teachable. Something for us to think about. What does it mean to be faithful, available, and teachable? 
Now, before we go much further, let us remember God's call for us to be his workers is not limited to an elite few, but to all of us who are called, who call Jesus Saviour and Lord. If we listen to what 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 10, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And with what we have already spoken about, there are two key points from our gospel reading for us to walk away with. The first is from verses 2 and 3. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Each of us and all of us are being sent by Jesus into the world to be God's workers in our daily lives. This involves planting the seed of the gospel into people's lives, nurturing the life of the gospel in people's lives, encouraging the life of the gospel in people's lives, and helping people to connect to the source of the gospel, Jesus. Remembering that the gospel is the good news of what God has done, is doing, and will do for us. The second key point from Luke comes from verses 19 and 20. Jesus says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The truth is, we are involved in gospel planting, nurturing and encouraging and connecting people to the source of the gospel. We will see and experience some good and special things. But Jesus reminds us that this is not the main purpose of the gospel. The purpose of the gospel is people being given and receiving eternal life and rejoicing that their names are written in heaven. This is what God is most concerned about, that people gain the gift of eternal life, May this be your main purpose as you live, that you receive the gift of eternal life from God and be concerned that the people you know and mix with also receive this gift. Because as John 3, verses 16 to 17 remind us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So what does all this mean for us as we live the faith? Firstly, live with the fact that the most important concern God has for you and others in life is that your name is written in heaven. May this concern affect everything about you and how you relate to others. Live as a person involved in planting the seed of the gospel, nurturing gospel life, encouraging gospel life, and helping people connect to the source of the gospel, Jesus. As we come to the end of the sermon, I would like to leave you with this story. 
and it relates back to what Bridget was demonstrating earlier. One day, some people were having a picnic after church in Hyde Park. They laid out their picnic blankets, they arranged all the food and then sat down and began talking and sharing stories. Unbeknown to them, an ant was exploring the potential banquet. Some of the food was securely covered in plastic containers, but there was a beautiful vanilla sponge with fresh cream and strawberries and some jam biscuits next to it. The ant took a few nibbles, then found a crumb from one of the biscuits and scampered away. Not long afterwards, this ant returned with a few of its relations, who had a taste of this sweet biscuit and were told there was a lot more from where that came from. They all began to take nibbles of the cake and the biscuits, and each of them found crumbs to take away. But that was not the end of the story. Shortly afterwards, a whole swarm of ants had gathered to receive some of that beautiful sweet food, and they all thanked the ant that first discovered it, to which the ant replied, I did not make the cake and biscuits. I only showed you where you could find them. Likewise, may we be like that ant with the gospel, informing others of the gospel and showing them where they can find and receive the gospel from Jesus through his church. Amen.